0: on this episode of av week we sit back and relax and look at the best of 2020 yes i said the best of 2020 2020 was it all doom and gloom uh so we pick the best pieces and then the most listened to down, uh, podcast and give it to you all that and more next on av week
1: the network for the av industry
2: What are you listening to?
3: This. This is AV. This. This. This this is AV Nation. This is AV Nation.
0: This is AV Week, Episode
4: 488, The Best of 2020. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Kramer, AV Beyond the Box. And by Draper, focused on innovative solutions. And by Chief The global leader in commercial AV mounting solutions. This
0: is AV Week, your weekly wrap up of audio, visual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host. This is what we call our best of. So uh, this is typically, you know, uh, somewhere around the end of the year. Uh, Best of, we produce somewhere around Christmas time. So uh, actually this year in 2020, Um, Christmas falls on a Friday, which is typically when we record AV week. So you'll hear this, the, the Monday after, uh, Christmas, I am not physically here on the Friday. I am somewhere in the continental United States. I am certain. So, uh, Merry Christmas, happy new year, happy holidays. Don't uh, really care what you celebrate. Um, as long as you celebrate something, you know, spend some time with family and friends and relax and, and let's look back on this. God, lovely year of 2020. (laughs) Ah, What can be said about this year? Uh, This year has certainly been an anomaly for many businesses uh, because of several life-altering events going on both a global and national scale. The AV industry has had its share of unexpected developments, some not entirely surrounding the COVID-19 pandemic. This episode, we're going to take a look at some of the biggest events that went on in 2020. Things were getting interesting as early as February, right before uh, Integrated Systems Europe ISE. That was probably the last show most of us had been to in person, quite frankly. There's a couple of regionals here in, in, in the States. Uh, the big story was not about ISE, rather, that ABI, that, uh, SBL, and Whitlock agreed to a merger, creating the largest integrator in the world. Way back in AV Week 442, episode 442, we sat down with AVI SPL's Director of Corporate Communications, Nathan Legg, about what this means for both companies and its stakeholders moving forward.
5: Um, I think ultimately it means that it's a chance to just work with more great people <laughs> as one uh, company. Um, it's, it's something that, um, again, going back to the, the last question, when we talk about this being a great opportunity, there's this was a great opportunity because of a growing industry. It's uh, the growing need from our customers, from a, a, a needing that local support, um, uh, that global delivery, um, and a bunch of uh, different options uh, in terms of uh, those digital workplace services. So by having um, you know, a lot more talent, a lot more uh, great minds at work, uh, you know, driving toward one goal, um, I think ultimately it's just going to be something that, you know, we have people that are very uh, uh, excited
0: about. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned the local support, uh, and I talked for a second there about about your your expansion. How does a merger like this help AVISPL and 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 everybody? Kind of, you know, as this deal gets done, all the folks um, that are connected with the company. How does this help you in that global expansion? And honestly, with the connecting and and the mm-hmm. servicing of your customers you know globally but also
5: at a local level so again it goes back to uh you know our collective individual resources uh, as a collective um you know taking each other's best practices you know once this uh, agreement is finalized we're actually getting uh together uh as a team and saying you know what's the what's the go forward plan here how are we going to uh, uh make this all happen and it's going to be taking each other's best practices Um, and putting together that strategy that uh, delivers the results that we both expect.
0: As I mentioned before, ISE 2020 was probably the last show any of us went to in person due to the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic. Live events and trade shows were postponed, canceled, or made virtual for the safety of everyone in the business. Right at the start of April, uh, Avixta CEO David Lobuskas announced that Infocom 2020 was canceled, It wouldn't be until Aviation's very own Learn From Home Virtual Summit that it would come, uh, be revealed uh, that it would be coming back in the virtual space as Infocom Connected. That didn't stop us from discussing what this meant for the industry in Av Week Episode 450. George Tucker starts us off talking about the impact of this cancellation of live events and how it would affect the rest of the year's
6: events. Yeah, it's an interesting question because... What do we do from this point forward? And a lot of the questions even in the media about general stuff has been, where do we go from now? I I work now in the live event industries. I have sort of few various iterations in my career done that, but where do we go from now? Do these things come back? And we're, I'm not really sure where we go from there. I mean, I, I miss it, and I miss that we're not going to have this thing in Vegas, although I don't like Vegas. <laughs> but, you know, have that socially. But, you know, that that, that in there is a point of, of I go because I really want to be with my associates and all those people in this industry, even to a city that I really don't like. And how do we come back from this where we can trust to be together in such large numbers? And when do we allow that to happen and will we replace it with the virtual stuff you know i mean i know many many years ago remember we used to have the virtual trade shows the magazines Mm -hmm. did it i'm sure brad remembers and the ce pro did something many years ago in the 90s and the early 2000s but there's still not a replacement for being together and having that sort of camaraderie and i don't know when we're going to get back to that and it's it's a real question because everything's in question when do we get back to normal? And I don't know the answer to that yet.
0: No, no, none of us do. That's the thing is, is that's the one thing is is, is 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 one of the biggest fears I think right now is the fear of the unknown. Um, you know, George right now has is mm-hmm. is technically I think furloughed or, or laid off is the is the technical term um, and, and legally and, I, and George, you can correct me on this. I'm, I'm not sure mm-hmm. to be, depending on the state and stuff like that, there are ramifications on on how they say it. Uh, but there are a number of folks out there that are in George's shoes right, that are, you know, they're out of work because there isn't any work um, because they can't get into places. Um, and so we're, um, as a community, as an industry, need to support those folks as well as, as you know, help them uh, strengthen their, their skills, strengthen their network, right? This is a good time for that. Um, Mr. Grimes, um, you did work at one point in your uh, illustrious career. You did work for Avixa. Um, what does this mean? And again, well, I want to highlight the fact that you don't work for them anymore. You don't speak for them in any way, shape or form. Uh, we got the official word on Monday from Mr. Lubuska, so that is the one we'll take. But you've been in this industry a long time, bud. Uh, and, and what does this say, uh, both about the, the kind of the exclamation point of the seriousness of this disease and this, this crisis, but also what does it say to the industry?
7: yeah well, well well like you said i I've, I've spent many years um, with those folks I spent many years with Dave. um I listened to your podcast with him, and you know that was the guy that I knew i mean it was it was heartfelt um I know that they worked really really hard to make this decision. They looked at it at a, at a million different angles um and really tried to do what was best for everybody um what it means long term i'm I'm optimistic that um that this doesn't mean the end of the, the uh, Infocom's I've been in technology, going to technology shows since I, you know, got out of college, various. Infocom was always my favorite one. It was just, it was, it was different, felt different. Um, the people were different. The solutions were different. Um, it was very uh, collegial. Um, I don't believe that's going to go away. I mean, there will be a time where we'll all get back together again and we, we will do it again. And we'll, we may do it differently. We may, uh, you know, sessions may be different, but it'll, you, can't, you can't replace, I think, what Melissa was talking about this, this in person education, um, which I know she's been part of for, for years, and um, this just networking and, and sharing war stories and actually seeing things. Uh, Short term, I, I believe there will be solutions. I mean, we, we, we will figure out a way to best learn from each other um, the way that so many other industries are trying to learn from each other and stay connected right now, which is, which is virtually. So there will be, there will be ways of, of getting it done, but, um, it's not just this industry, but lots of things will, will change and it will take a little while to get back to what we might consider normal. But, um, short term, I know that that group over there is working around the clock to figure out the best ways of getting the education. I saw the numbers now of uh, I mean, people are breaking the system, trying to log in and get free of courses online. Um, and I know they're working hard to, to make sure that people can get uh, up to speed on things so that there's really no downtime. I mean, I believe that once this turns a corner, it's going to turn the corner, uh, turn a corner fast. Um, and there will be great demand for what this industry does. Um, in the meantime, you know, let's take care of each other and, and brush up on what we need to brush up on.
0: As sometimes happens, not every story we cover deals with technology. This story is not directly related to the AV industry, but it was important nonetheless, especially in this year. On May 25th, George Floyd, an unarmed Minneapolis African-American man, was killed while in police custody. Floyd's death started what is currently the largest series of protests in America and the world, where as much as 15 million people across the U.S. marched and protested against systemic racism, the use of excessive force, and police accountability. It started a conversation in all sectors about the topic of diversity and adversity and representation. And since we know a thing or two about podcasts, we are at least capable of starting a conversation. It would be hard to not just post the entire discussion, but we will start with Charmaine Torella talking about what we as an industry can do to bring diversity to AV
4: you know, for 20 years in a technology sector, and I've come from telecom and IT into AV 10 years ago. The issues that I experienced, the adversity towards diversity here in the AV industry is more because the industry is comfortable. It's a holistic industry that's grown by mom and pop shops who are just comfortable with hiring the people they know, right? The people that worked with as roadies as the industry started. Right, started with a bunch of roadies that, you know, would go on tour with bands and set up the sound, the gear, everything, or people that came from the military and were engineers in that aspect of life and came in and they started, helped to start this industry. And for a long time, holistically, they hired people they worked with, they were on the road with, they hired, you know, it was a family affair. So the family got involved and they siloed themselves in and never looked out. And in not looking out, they missed out on a lot of the diverse talent uh, that actually had the ability to propel their businesses much further. Because fast forward to today, you know, a lot of the diverse AV workers are on the client side, because they couldn't get satisfaction on the mm-hmm. AV side. And a lot of those people went to okay, I'm gonna to go to the client side because they appreciate me there and my diversity and they have a diversity plan and initiative and I get paid more and I get stock options and you know, screw AV, bye. And I'm gone there or I'm going to the manufacturer side where it's the same, right? And they're not coming back and they now are in the seat to make decisions as to whether they're gonna work with you or not. So what we have to do is we have to start outreaching uh, the outreach in the AV industry with the dominant group, which typically usually is older white men are the dominant group in our industry have to now take the mantle of looking at ways to implement strategies. Sometimes it's a plan, but really what we have to do is have a cultural shift in the AV industry to make diversity, a thing that's positive, because you can do it a couple of ways. Like I told people with this council, we started two years ago, the Avixa Diversity Council. It's a start, but you have to decide. We, you know, I live in the 14th district, which my Congresswoman is AOC, right? And I do some volunteer work and I do other volunteer work. I've been doing this all my life. And when you do a a cultural diversity, plan or program, it's either one of compliance where you mandate people to do it, one of publicity and marketing, which is only for the purposes of elevating your organization through diversity, or one of cultural shift in which you're trying to influence a change. So what the AV industry has to do is do one of cultural shift in implementing positive actions, events, programs, trainings, educations, and outreach in order to help shift it, because you can't force it in our industry. It's not gonna be one of compliance. And marketing, it just doesn't mean anything, and you further disenfranchise uh, minority workers, and they say, okay, we'll go to the client side, we'll leave this industry, or we'll go to IT, they'll take us, and that's what's happening right now.
8: Uh, One of the things that I will add, because Charmaine made some really strong points, diversity is really critical you know, and we ta- in, in that um, conference, I actually talked a lot about representation and, and representation as in diversity. So one way that corporations or companies can really contribute there is, for example, creating tutorials on pro-AV items or pro-AV um, tutorials on how to, like, for example, properly, um, you know, uncable. Other things that are really critical for people that are really interested in the field but want to learn more and having more diverse people kind of doing that work. I would say though, when we're talking about the situation that's happening nationally and locally with the protests, uh, diversity isn't really, it's just one part of it. Um, Racial justice is not diversity, right? Diversity means variety. Uh, Racial justice is not equality. Uh, Equality is just sameness. Really at the root of what we're dealing with here is equity. Uh, fairness, justice. And for us at the Loop Lab, we are really centered in the principle that all people are deserving of liberty, justice, and dignified labor. That they have the ability and should have the access to dignified labor. Um, If they they, they work hard and they really wanna pursue pro-AV as a career choice, they should have access to do so. And I think that what's really happening is uh, Tinder has been li- lit in this country um, where you have many, many people that are protesting, folks are upset. My concern is when all the noise dies down, are these conversations still going to be happening? Is this dialogue still going to be happening? Uh, you know, the, you know, we were doing equity work at the Loop Lab before there was hashtags about the recent protests. And so I, I just, I think that there's a way for companies to really get involved in an authentic way where they're not only promoting diversity through their hiring, promoting diversity through the outreach, which is again creating videos that demonstrates that the Pro-AV is open and friendly and available to people from all kinds of backgrounds. In particular, I would want to say also for Black men, uh, since we're talking about young Black men and women that were recently murdered nationwide as far as in the press, Um, Because I do want to name that, and I do want that that to be a particular explicit naming of that. But I I think that in in the flip side, we have to really talk to C-level executives and why it's important to be proactive in making sure that their corporate environments are promoting and coming at it from a racial justice framework. And that can be done as simple as having people that get paid to do that kind of consultancy to do trainings and it, and it has to be constant. It has to be an investment. It has to be something that the, co- the company says, we see the benefit in this and what it does to our employees. And the data has to demonstrate that, right? Like numbers don't lie. If you see over a period of time, the number of people of color that are employed, not going up and in fact, maybe decreasing in some places, then you can't say that you're really invested in racial justice and equity work. So I think there's a lot of work to be done as already been shared, um, but there are many ways that folks can get engaged and involved, particularly in the pro AV space.
4: And let's, let me jump on that part yep. of it too, because I had this, we had this conversation, right, David, a few weeks ago that the other organizations that you mentioned uh, who, have in, who have invested in diversity and justice and diversity, they invest millions of dollars annually in having a diversity officer, diversity plan and programs all year round to have staff resources to develop and maintain those plans. Unfortunately, in the AB industry, depending on the organization, they don't have that luxury, right? They don't have that kind of capital to make that investment. So mm-hmm. it goes back to, you know, organizations like Avixa, you know, how do you become the beacon, right? The guide, the guiding light to these organizations because the truth is AV, we don't have that luxury. Most integrators, small, medium-sized don't. Maybe the major big ones, they do. But for the most part, a lot of our organizations are not that big and don't have that capital, right? And don't have the capital to help with training workers in general, much less diverse workers that work for them. So that's another, that's another answer and a strategy we have to develop to how do you do that because other organizations can make the investment. In AV, it's not so simple.
0: Yeah. For this next segment, we're going to bend the rules just a bit. It's 2020 and who cares? At this point, the rules are being made up as we speak. In September, Expo Nation had canceled a digital signage expo and filed for Chapter 7 bankruptcy. Now, not only do i think we could avoid making this recap entirely a doom and gloom episode but the topic of the death of dse was more thoroughly discussed with professionals in the digital science space, space in episode 2020 of our show digital science digest what i want to focus on from av week 475 is almo's e4v experience as much as everyone myself included hates the phrase almo made a successful pivot from in person regional events to the virtual space, engaging the industry with education and content for discussion. One of those discussions was the role of AV as business comes back to the workplace. Don Mead starts off talking about how AV solutions are helping businesses get back to the working order.
2: You know, it's it's multifaceted. So not just my industry that I can't earn company that I can't tell you about is considered essential within that organization. My role as an AV person has been considered essential. So I've been working nonstop since all this started, just a lot of it from my couch or my home office going in when necessary and being one of the few folks in person. But what we've been really slammed with, we're ordering and deploying a ton of little webcams and home systems like on the wall room kits for some of the executives to sit at home with the, you know, professional microphone, professional speakers, displays, all of that. Um, Our facilities folks, you know, when you have a giant organization, you always have a few, you know, banner rooms that you use for all the big meetings, your auditoriums, your executive conference rooms, the big rooms, that sort of thing. And then we just have tons of little conference rooms and spaces all over the place that may or may not have AV. We're spending a lot of time and a lot of money right now putting AV in those rooms so that as our workforce comes back and we have to socially distance, you know, we have one auditorium at the location I'm at that usually seats 250 to 300 people putting it, putting the chairs out in COVID approved spacing. It's a 50 person room, if that. So in a case like that, equipping some of these smaller conference rooms and spaces that we don't normally use with technology and using technology to tie it all in, we're able to bring workers safely back and socially distance them while still having them as an active for real part of the meeting. Um, and we can tie in the workers that are still at home using you know, Zoom and, and similar um, technologies. So all of those things are what's currently happening at my place of employment and I'm sure a lot of other large places of employment um, and I also have been getting a lot of emails from manufacturers who are bringing out more and more what we when I was an integrator we called it the hospital gear that you know was sort of anti the sealed units that could go in and get splashed with biological whatever and wipe off easily that sort of thing more of that shifting into the real world that is't hospital world and we're also getting things like you know, displays at the front of the building that automatically take your temperature. So stuff like that, I think some of it will be a gimmick. It'll be a short-term boom. But there is definitely a lot of tech work currently going on, AV work going on currently at the big companies just to get our folks back, not just to keep them working while they're gone.
0: Meg, you'll be have the, the last word on this.
2: Um.
9: So number one, I, I love that... Um, That they're doing this because on top of a lot of our our veteran av workforce um being out of work uh especially those on the front lines right like techs actually going in and servicing um stuff like that you know um there is a younger generation that just got out and is just getting in to some of this so um you know this is a good opportunity for them to realize that there's community which on every single one of the shows that i'm on i harp on that a lot that we as an AV community really do come together in a way that i don't know that a lot of other people have and that comes from every vertical but um i i think that some of the conversations that they plan on talking about and uh to kind of echo dawn's point about there's a shift in technology right now happening so that we can return to work safely and that's provoking new innovations like Uh, touchless control right Um, which that may sound like a gimmick now but when you think about the concern when you think about the ramifications of that in a accessibility uh, point of view that's not gonna go away because now you've just given a whole new set of parameters to um, to people who may not have the same kind of functionality that you know um, that another human might have Um, so Seeing how that's evolving is really fascinating to me. And that's a whole branch of different technology coming to light and helping us get safer at work, right? So coming back into an office and using uh, technology to facilitate communication, you know, um, it's, it's getting back to, back to that whole idea of what are we trying to achieve by meeting together? Um, and what can we do? To make that as you know facilitated as possible, because um, even just going back and meeting with real people, it takes maybe five minutes to come to a decision in a hallway um, or at the water cooler that I would have to normally set up like a thirty-minute uh, you know virtual conference for. Uh, that human interaction and that human connectivity. Um, there is no replacement for that. That's who, you know, we're not bionic. We're not, um, you know, we're not yet at the, at the level to where webcam body language is uh, a, a thing. Like I can't tell when one of you is gonna, about to speak, right? And then we do that weird awkward talk over each other thing and be, oh, go ahead, go ahead. You know, um, <laughs> it's not, you know, versus being in person where there's a cadence. And I don't know that technology can can or should replace that cadence. We should be facilitating the safety aspect. Splashguard product is awesome. I think that's great. Um, you know, but I think that's the if if companies are going to you know start working, that's branching out into a whole new innovative territory that they have not done before. And someone's got to have the courage to make that investment because we're not getting out of this anytime soon.
0: Normally, our show is about the commercial side of the AV industry and the news surrounding it. I assume you already know that at this point because you're already halfway through this episode and you're listening to it. The reason I'm saying this is that the news cycle, like many other industries, we rarely went a week without mentioning the COVID-19 pandemic in some capacity, whether it was the cancellation of an event, a new solution to help integrators during the crisis, or lamenting the fact that our only contact with each other is a small window on Zoom. Just this November, it was announced that the companies Pfizer and BioNTech had finalized the development of COVID vaccine. And as of this recording, it's actually seeing actual implementation in the world and here in, in the States. With that in mind, we go to AV week 482, discussing the possibility of returning to live events and some semblance of normalcy in 2021. Megan, that starts us off talking about how this could affect the AV industry in the coming years.
1: Well, You know, first of all, I just want to give a disclaimer. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a healthcare provider. So this is just my personal opinion on this. I I don't know when we'll see a vaccine. So I don't even know if we'll have it, you know, in time for June. That's the first question. And we'll be watching that, obviously, very closely. And I think it'll be interesting to see, not just in terms of ISE Infocom, but just events in general, if they're going to ask attendees, like, did you get the vaccine? And only allow people that have the vaccine or things. I know Chuck's looking at me like I'm crazy, but I could see that being a questionnaire or having to sign a waiver if you haven't had the vaccine going to events. Cause we've seen that from live events that have happened that you have to sign a waiver to attend saying so you won't see them if you catch COVID.
8: Right, would,
4: would that not violate HIPAA laws though?
8: Asking people
4: if they've had a certain vaccine or not? I mean,
1: we I mean, start schools can it ask is, it and stuff. I, so I don't
4: know. I mean, I know they require you have vaccinated your kids before you send them to school, and you have to sign a thing. But like, I don't know. That gets into that's that's almost like a sticky situation where, hey, have you had the vaccine? No, you can't come in. Like,
0: right. and do you get a card saying you had the vaccine or you had the virus? Um, uh, sh- show of hand. Actually, I'm not going to ask any of you. The, the one thing I, I will say about about that, Chuck, is is there are when it comes to HIPAA, and I know very enough to be dangerous about it, but you can certainly release your own information, right, if you choose. Right. Uh, and so that's yeah. where some of that, that gray area comes down to. I have personally had COVID. I had it back in August. question is whether or not I get a card now from my local medical or health uh, system. Uh, or if I get the vaccine, do I get a certain, you know, do I get a, um, a, a shining gold star or something that shows, but that's you that's
1: know, also another uncertainty. They don't know how long you are immune to it, if you are at all. You know, some people say right. it's as short as six weeks, so you've already missed that six-week window, you know.
0: Alicia, do you have the last word on this? You do work for a manufacturer uh, who, you know, ostensibly would potentially uh, be going at least to Cedia, uh, typically what, what Access Network does. Um, you know, when you have a conversation and I know a guy that I, I don't think that a guy would ever force anyone to do, to do anything that they're not comfortable with. So let's get that out there in, in, in general. But you personally, if they were making plans and they asked you, you know, Alicia, here's the deal that we want to, we're going to go to Indianapolis, which is where CD is going to being held this in, in 2021, but we have a vaccine. Does that give you any, any warm fuzzies or is it something where we need to, we need to see a little bit more uh, testing done?
3: Um, From a company perspective, anybody that knows a guy, you kind of have like a freeway. They're given an option and it's your choice. That would never be a, listen, there's a vaccine, get on the plane and go to Cedia. (laughs) If you know anything about our company culture, that would never be something that happens. Personally, if it did happen, I would be waiting. Um, I don't want to be involved in this first round of whatever they're putting out, 90% or not. (laughs) Uh, I I don't want any parts of it yet. But when I did hear the news of it, um, even outside of our AV space, it was hopeful, right? Like, okay, we're making progress. Um, I don't see this happening anytime soon, but there is progress being made. There is hope um, that our live events will get back to what we're used to. And um, like I've been telling all my friends, let's just stay in the now, stay hopeful. Let's continue to pivot, do our drive-ins, drive-in concerts, drive-in movie theaters, live streaming, just stay optimistic, but also stay hopeful. So. Not a whole bunch of warm fuzzies because, like I said, I don't want in on that first round. But um, hopeful um, to see what comes as far as the progress goes throughout the years.
1: Are you saying you have hashtag
3: positivity? Damn right I am.
0: Thank you so very much uh, for continuing to listen and to watch uh, A B Week during this wonderful, uh, interesting year of 2020. I do say wonderful. I, I've, I, I, I use this last segment here to legitimately and, and honestly say thank you for continuing to listen and to continuing to connect with all of us, uh, both virtually and, and in real life when we were able to do that. Uh, I've written a piece about why I'm thankful for 2020 and I, I posted it around the US Thanksgiving and you can read that if you'd like and Mitchell our wonderful producer will put a link to that up that that article um, it's been an interesting year it's been a challenging year for, for us um, I am darn near half the person I used to be uh, I say that somewhat tongue-in-cheek if you don't watch the video and you only listen to us you have no idea what I'm talking about but as of, of going to the doctor this week I have officially lost 60 pounds in the year of 2020, that's remarkable. And there's a part of me that says, "Yay, you know, way to go." There's another part, more snarky part of me, well says, "Dumbass, you should have never been that big in the first place." Eh, we we can we can differ, uh, but but it is what it is, and and, I, and it is something that you know, this year has been a lot about challenges and, and ways to overcome that. And yes, I don't like the word pivot because I've heard it too much this year, but it's accurate. Uh, those of us that are still around and those of us that are still surviving and thriving in 2020, heading into 2021, have had to pivot, have had to reinvent ourselves and have had to learn a certain number of new skills or maybe dust off some old ones. So if you're still ru- running around uh, in 2021, congratulations, you made it sh- through probably one of the worst years economically and health-wise uh, of your entire life and hopefully of your kids as well. So Congratulations. Uh, let's run and let's get into 2021 and make this the best year any of us have ever, ever had. Thank you so much for listening and continuing to watch Nation. Uh You can go by our website, avianation.tv. That's avianation.tv. Find this episode and a host of others. Please check out our sponsors. These are the folks who advertise and support AV Nation and help us bring it to you every single week, 52 weeks out of the year. Uh, 2021, we'll, we'll bring some some interesting changes uh, and, and interesting um, things to AV Week and AV Nation. Uh, we will celebrate our 500th episode of AV Week. Um, I'm not sure exactly what Mitchell's planning on doing for that, but I'm sure it's something special. Um, but we'll, we'll, you know, it, it 2021, will be a good, good year for all of us. Uh, also, uh, you can check out our other shows, uh, every single one of them. We've got a, a daily show called the daily download. Uh, it's a clip show. Resi week looks at the residential side. Uh, and we have a number of monthlies that dive into the, the various verticals and the various aspects of the AV industry. You can check all of those out and more at avianation.tv. That's avianation.tv. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks so much for watching. That's all the time we have for AV Week.